0: Welcome to the Spiritual Father Podcast. I am Father Adam Carrico, and the following three homilies were recorded on July 11th through 13th for the Archdiocese of Louisville Christian Leadership Institute. The readings for these masses can be found at usccb.org forward slash Bible forward slash readings. There you will also find links to listen to the readings and watch video reflections on the readings. I encourage you to check those out. Thank you for listening. Enjoy have a little test. Where are my two Sacred Heart girls? Where are they? There's, they're both over here. How many religious sisters are in every one of your classes? And according to me, according to my... have I not told your old class this? You're, you're going into junior Yeah. and you're gonna going to be, be a sophomore. I didn't tell the freshman? Maybe you did, and you forgot. You don't listen to every word I say. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Were all of us? No. No. Sister That's like there are two. In my mind, in my estimation, there are two religious sisters in each of the classes at Sacred Heart. Two. Out of, what would you say, 200 girls in each class, give or take? Two. Well, there you go. You have two and a half. (laughs) There you go. There was a priest, uh, his name was Father Schweitzer, I remember very distinctly at a school mass at St. Aloysius. He said, I know that there is a priest here in the making, uh, someone who will eventually answer the call uh, to the priesthood. And I remember thinking when he said that, you are crazy Uh, because it's not me and I waited for somebody else. I thought it was going to be this big dramatic moment that somebody was going to stand up and say it was me and then I would feel all right because then it wouldn't have to be me. But no one stood and I wasn't sure at that time but uh, years went on and I recalled that and so I often make uh, similar estimations whenever I'm uh, with young people. And so when I was at Mercy, uh, who's here for Mercy? How many from each grade for Mercy? One to two, exactly. I wasn't going to let them completely off the hook and say just one, but one to two, because it's a little bit smaller, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit smaller. But there are. And I think we have a, a, a difficulty with vocations because we just often think someone else will do it. Someone else will take care of that. Someone else will have the courage to do that. But... Oftentimes, I think that's what happens with our marriages as well. Someone else will have a good and holy marriage. Someone else will have the courage and the dedication, the sacrifice uh, to have a holy marriage. And so you really can't escape it. Even if you remain single for the rest of your life, a vocation in and of itself, a vocation uh, we don't often understand. But you, my sisters and brothers, having been baptized, are living your vocation now. You are called to be disciples of God now. Have courage to do that now. And St. Benedict, he had the courage to do what he was called to do. They tried to poison him twice. One monk who he was uh, instructing poisoned a loaf of bread and a raven, we are told, uh, ravens are uh, often associated with Benedictine monks. Some say it's because of the black Kukula, that's a word for you. It's what they wear uh, for prayer in the winter. You don't need to remember that. But uh, it looks rather like a bunch of feathers. So they get raven from that, black and feathery. So, um, but a raven came and picked up that loaf of bread and carried it off, uh, probably depositing it in some other location, maybe. I don't know but it saved him one one way or another. other. Uh, He he went on to try to reform that community. Uh, They said, Brother Benedict, give us a rule to live by. And so he wrote a rule and it was quite uh, extensive and difficult perhaps to follow, Uh, but he wrote the rule and they accepted it for a time, but then they got a little upset. So one of them tried to poison his wine. And when Benedict went and made the sign of the cross, Over top of it, uh, the cup shattered, uh, saving his life once more. And many, I would think, would say, these guys have tried to poison me twice. I'm done. I'm out of here. Forget it. I'm not going to do this anymore. And he did leave for a time, but they asked him to come back. And he did. He came back and they they began uh, this monastery once more, and to this day, uh, basically, all the Western monks, uh, the Trappists in Gethsemane, uh, they are Trappists or Cistercians, uh, but they follow the rule of St. Benedict. And so all of these uh, monastic communities follow his rule because he had the courage uh, to continue to say, I will do what God calls me to do. I have uh, this here. I don't know if you've ever seen the Benedictine medal. Uh, I'll show you one side. That's the back, actually. And then the front has St. Benedict on it. So that is, and I actually wear it if you want to see. I don't have it on now because it's distracting. Um, but I wear a, a, one of those rope bracelet things with a bunch of them uh, put in there. And it's supposed to be a ward against evil, mostly because they tried to poison him twice. So apparently he had something looking out for him. Uh, I have a whole... A uh, list of explanations as to what all of this stuff on here means so if you want to see that this evening I'm going to leave it on the uh, uh, the leaders table for the rest of our time together if you are interested in the Benedict medal you'll learn all kinds about him uh, with that but my sisters and brothers you you have a, a difficult vocation each and every one of you uh, uh, the majority of all the young people here are, are single Uh, It doesn't matter how long you've known Susie or Billy or Ted or whoever uh, you're seeing at the moment. It doesn't matter how long you've known them. If you're not married, if you haven't professed your love to one another in front of an altar just like this, if you haven't committed to one another in front of the church, in front of God, you're single. You're living the single vocation. And in that, people will look to you especially after going to a retreat like this, people will look to you as leaders. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. It's not fair that you're going to be kind of held to a different standard, but there you go. It is what it is. People look to you as they look to to all of your uh, uh, compatriots to uh, to kind of judge what is the right way uh, to act. How do we go about this world? And not all of us are meant to either join a monastery or start a monastery like St. Benedict did. In my estimation, there's probably, because this is, this is boiling down the candidates for priesthood and religious life. It's, it's, it's getting it down to its finest uh, candidates. So I'm going to say there's one priest and one religious sister here one priest, and one religious sister. So think about that. Ask yourself whether or not you have the courage. I'm certain that any of you could do it if you answer God's call, if God calls you to that, and uh, if you have the courage to, to follow that vocation. But until then, do as Benedict says. Form a monastery in your heart. A place of prayer, a place of peace, a place that is safe from everything that the world has to throw at us. It's the one thing about monasteries. They're safe, they're like castles, they're pretty amazing. And we go to them looking for refuge. Christ wants to build that refuge in your heart. Accept our Lord from this altar today because he wants to build that refuge. In your heart today and every day, has ever heard or thought the idea uh, that the God of, of the Old Testament just doesn't seem quite like the God of the New Testament? Anybody encountered that before? It's pretty common. It a uh, it certainly is uh, a majority a majority of the time uh, as we're going through the Old Testament seems to be a different vision of God, a different uh, kind of uh, quality uh, perhaps but as the uh, as the prophets get closer and closer uh, to the end of the Old Testament to the the end of that covenant or the transformation rather of that covenant, as they get closer and closer to the time of John the Baptist, the last prophet of the Old Testament, uh, we, we read more and more uh, like how we have come to know God the Father. In our first reading, he speaks as uh, a loving father, desiring to give uh, good gifts to his children Israel, desiring to go after them uh, time and time again to, to bring them back. And it says, Hosea has God say, I am God and not man. And in that, he's saying, you know, you can count on me when there is times that you uh, lose faith and hope in one another, you can still count on me. But there is a little bit of longing in that line at the same time, I think, that he is God and not man. There's a distance there. There's uh, a divide. There is a, a, a unfamiliarity that exists. And it kind of it's, there's a, a joy in that our God is, is not man but also a need there a need for that connection and so Christ comes to fulfill that need that need which uh, the prophets came to, to witness to uh, our need for that personal connection uh, with the word made flesh and so Christ came among us and continues to come among us uh, time and again and uh, Christ comes to all of us, all of us even in our captivity. It is sometimes said that Christ became captive uh, to free us from captivity. Christ took on human flesh and died for our sins in that way. And each of us has, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, experienced a bit of captivity in the last couple of hours, quite a bit of frustration, I would imagine, uh, maybe even uh, a wayward priest who was trying to uh, frighten you at times with a wrapper or a, a snap of a finger. But hey, got to make it interesting. But you have experienced that frustration, the frustration that many feel as they are are, are held against their will, not able to, to do what it is that they want to do and not able to live the life that they want to live. Um, perhaps held captive because of their own actions, as in prison, or held captive for someone else's reasons. Uh, There is all kinds of captivity throughout the world. Uh, We are not quite as free as we like to think of ourselves. And truly, sin is uh, the end-all be-all of captors. We can uh, make almost anything our master. If you try hard enough, you can make broccoli your master. That's uh, to get the point across. If you try hard enough, you can live your life for broccoli. As bizarre as that sounds. But any other idol that anyone uh, molds their life around, it's just as bizarre when we have God made man who has come to love us. And so the apostles in today's gospel, they're sent out. And they're sent out and they're told, you know, these are the limitations that you have in your ministry. Don't do this. Don't take that. Don't have an extra of this. Don't come as prepared as you might uh, want to go. Just go. Just go and be present to the people. And I think that they may have felt a bit constrained as well. Why is it that you're trying to make me go out and do this impossible task to begin with and tie my arms behind my back or blind me or or make me unable to speak or unable to move. Why, Lord, would you do that to me? You want me to be effective. And I think in the end it's to help us recognize that it's not us that does the work. We go about being witnesses to that, but it's not us that does the work. We merely present the love of God to a world. We don't force. We don't... Uh, We don't make, but we present. In some ways, the whole image of uh, one of the disciples removing their sandal and shaking the dust uh, from their feet as they walk away from someone who's refused their gift may seem to be quite um, dramatic, perhaps. Certainly very visual. But I do wonder whether or not uh, we in our culture have decided upon much worse. Instead of simply saying, I'm moving on, I'm leaving this dust behind, I'm moving to another field of work. Instead, oftentimes, we, not you all personally, but we see it constantly. Uh, We mock our enemies, we shame them, we put them down, we look for their weaknesses and uh, we hold that against them time and time again. We make fun of those that we disagree with. Our our media is full of it. Uh, Our our idea of how to even negotiate with someone we disagree with, oftentimes, is is infested with that mockery. How much worse is it uh, to do that than it is to simply shake the dust from one's feet? We don't want to become captive by the ways of the world. We want to be set free the deep desire of our hearts. So we come to this altar to lay down our lives once more as we do time and time again so that we may find that freedom that Christ himself offers us. You are being sent. You are being sent out into the world where, uh, as Christ says, we are to be as uh, clever as serpent, but as gentle as doves. And one uh, should not really override the other. We are to be uh, wise and uh, perhaps maybe even a bit cunning, uh, but also simple and innocent and, um, and just willing, uh, vulnerable, able to uh, witness to Christ's uh, compassion for all of us. It's a balance between them all and a balance that that takes quite a bit of, of prayer to maintain, uh, quite a bit of dedication and discernment to, to get to. But I am, I am certain, having survived these five days, that all of you uh, are able to do so. If you just simply say yes to God's working in your life. Because God desires to work through each of your lives. I will, uh, for our Eucharistic prayer, uh, use a Eucharistic prayer that we don't hear too often. Um, one of the reasons, to be honest, is that it it has the, the masculine pronoun quite a bit throughout, and many priests uh, kind of find it uh, to be, um, well, maybe off-putting. Uh, but I look past that to see a beautiful, Uh, step-by-step working through salvation history, starting with creation, working through the prophets, uh, the the Spirit speaking through uh, the words of the prophets, Christ coming, the Spirit coming after. Uh, Just simple working, walking through the reality that God has slowly worked with us for millennia, for longer than we can even begin to imagine and that that work continues with you it is amazing the reality that each of us the future church as some will say but the present church as well don't let anyone fool you this is your church and your church now and you have a part to play in that mission of salvation history Christ, of course, has the main role, and that's all right. You have uh, a side role, and uh, just like any production, every part is is important. Every part is necessary, and everyone takes courage, and so you will be sent out like wolves, sheep among wolves. Um, they will tell you many things. They have told you many things about how to live. How to, be, how to be happy, many of those are lies or, or half-lies. There are many ways in which the world tries to trick you into believing something else, but Christ is the answer. But Christ is the answer. And we have a God of all who, like any good leader, will do what he asks of those who follow him. And if he is asking us to be sent as a sheep among wolves, we are reminded of his death. That he uh, welcomed that, uh, entered into that, and knew the wolves that surrounded him, and yet was the lamb of sacrifice that we celebrate time and time again. That our leader, the leader that we try to emulate, Sacrificed just as He expects us to. In little ways, in big ways, in daily ways, and in ways that will constitute your life, your vocation. Be a small part of that salvation history. Recognize the lies that you are told. See the truth that is before you. And live with courage, dedication, live a life that is worthy of you, a child of God. You are called to greatness, you are called to a lot that in the world's eyes may be very small. But our Lord loves us and desires to see us not only glorify our God, but be glorified ourselves.